Welcome, everybody, to a special edition of our Something in the Air podcast. I'm meteorologist Joe Martucci. Join with me is New Jersey State Climatologist, Dr. Dave Robinson. Dr. Robinson, I've only been on location for this podcast once before, and that was with you at your office, but it was audio. Now we have the full video here uh, on this Friday afternoon. I actually have to shout out my uh, my cousins to the Fabio family because unbeknownst to them, I'm on their front porch right now recording this podcast. Um, hoping the neighbors don't say anything. I don't think they have yet. Uh, but I I was driving up to Barnegat Light. Uh, and we're going to talk about this, you know, the tornado yesterday. And I was looking for a place to do this. I knew I was going to do it on location. I said, hey, my cousin's like two minutes away from me right now. Why don't I just go over there? So I have to thank them for the chair. I'm in a very familiar territory. It's almost like home here uh, in Manahawkin right now. Terrific. Terrific. Yeah. So, you know, let's just, let's jump right into it. Um, you know, usually we're always recapping the month of July in South Jersey, but I think we have to give credence to what happened on July 28th on Thursday here. Um, and we're still getting this data in, but at the current time, we have multiple confirmed tornadoes in the state of New Jersey. Um, one of which went through, um, uh, the Ware Town area in, into Barnegat. Um, it could. It, there was damage in the High Bar sec, High Bar Harbor section of Long Beach Township, um, but that has not been confirmed yet at the present time. But it was. It was truly a, a, a rare day for tornadic activity in New Jersey. Many tornado warnings in the state, including some longer track thunders uh, tornadoes. So, just want to throw it over to you here, you know, could you put this in historical context for us? And, you know, what do we know about what happened on Thursday? Yeah. Well, first of all, for the weather geeks, you said the 28th and it was the 29th. Oh, uh, wait, today's the 30th. Ah. That's all right. I, I'm, I'm on vacation honest. mode. I'm sitting right here. I'm keeping you honest. Well, thank you. you know, as we speak here early on Friday afternoon, uh, there's been a confirmed tornado up in Essex County. Um, and, which was kind of snuck into the picture because the main action was from Trenton down to northern LBI, Burlington County, Ocean County, and Mercer County. Um, so what the final count's going to be, we don't know. Um, the radar signatures were classic, tornadic, even for a couple that haven't been verified yet, the National Weather Service, they had an incredibly busy day in the office yesterday. Today, they have an incredibly busy day out in the field trying to verify whether these were straight line winds or tornadic winds. One reason I'm leaning towards tornadic winds to a lot of these storms is they're very localized. Our network of 65 anemometers around the state, and I haven't checked weather service anemometers, didn't pick up a wind gust yesterday over 38 miles an hour. So that suggests there were very localized winds. And we have stations um, you know, near, near where they occurred in Hopewell, um, over at Cedar Bridge, out at Harvey Cedars, and no one picked up strong, none of these stations picked up strong winds. So Looking historically, the most tornadoes in one day recorded in New Jersey on record was seven. Hmm. And that was on the 16th of November of really? 19, 1989. Uh, one of them was about a mile away from my campus in Piscataway, and it leveled, uh, leveled a home 
a good portion of a home. It was a really unusual outbreak. A very strong cold front came barreling in um, from the Northwest. And it just had the, enough shear in the atmosphere and such that it spun up a record number of tornadoes for one day. So we've had a handful of other days that have had between um, four or five. Um, we'll have to see where this one ranks in terms of daily totals. Now, we can even start talking about annual totals because we had three up till today for the season. Um, the record is 17, and that's back in 1989, thanks in part to that one active day. But the second highest number in a season is 10 in 2019, just three years ago. So, yeah. so you know, we, if we put in another handful today, let's just say off top of our head, plus the three, we'll be up to eight, and we got a lot of the year to go. Um, mm -hmm. So... We've only had, again, a handful of years with over six or seven. And we're talking about records, important to say, you know me as the climatologist, we have good records statewide back to about 1950. So we're not talking about earlier decades. And we've had pretty good reporting during that time. It's, you know, people talk about there being a potential bias because we're more attentive these days than we were decades ago. But the most active period of tornadic activity in New Jersey, according to annual counts, was 87 through 90. Uh, so it wasn't in the last decade or two. So I, I'm relatively confident um, that these records are consistent during that 70 some odd year period. Right. Um, if yeah. you're out in the, mid in the Midwest, they, they aren't. Um, there just were fewer observers out there. But we also right. have to remember tornadoes tend to be very weak in New Jersey. So we don't have, you know, out West, I'd say anything in EF3 or above, you might have a handle on. Um, but here in Jersey, they're few, they're short-lived, um, and, and they tend to be on the weak side. And we should all be very grateful for that, mind you. Um, and uh, just one more reminder, and then I'll, I'll let you ask another question. <laughs> That's um, okay. Tornado strength is judged on the damage that is done by the storm. With one exception, there was a tornado last year that didn't do much damage, but it was videoed. And it was over on uh, 72, the bridge into LBI. Not too far it, away it, from where I'm at. And historically, that's very unusual to, to certify a tornado without having any visual damage. So one could say uh, some tornadoes are very difficult to judge the damage because they go through a cornfield and uh, a 70 mile an hour wind could knock down that corn. So could a 170 mile an hour wind. So, uh, you know, there are limits to how one can rate a tornado. Um, and again, you have to have something in the way that gets damaged. And then you judge the strength of that structure. And with that, you assign a classification. Now, we had a roof taken off a home in northern um, Barnegat, uh, up in Barnegat, up in that area you mentioned previously. They'll look at that roof and they'll say, well, first of all, they'll see if there was cyclonic structure and it wasn't perhaps a downburst or straight line wind. And then they'll look and see what kind of roof is it? How strong a roof is it? 
and, and they'll judge it on that. Um, whether it's an EF1, an EF2, I doubt I saw damage of EF3 categories, except maybe over uh, Bucks County, Pennsylvania. Yeah, and uh, that Bucks County, Pennsylvania tornado, I think, is the highlight of this severe weather outbreak uh, on Thursday. You know, you, you saw the GMC dealership just get really knocked up by the tornado um, from that as it tours through. And it's always important, you know, if you're in a tornado warning, you want to get as low as possible away from windows in the center of your building. I want to switch over. Um, we're we're going to now kind of get out of tornadoes a little bit, but I do want to talk about what happened earlier in the month, speaking of severe weather, and that is Elsa, which also brought two tornadoes um, to the area, one in Little Lake Harbor and then one in uh, Woodbine. So, you know, Elsa continues, you know, last year we had two tropical storms that brought direct impacts to us. Elsa also brought direct impacts to us. And it happened at an unfortunate time because most of this was very early in the morning. Most of us were sleeping on that Friday. And I believe the date was July 9. Am it I was. right on that one? It okay. was. It All was. Right. What a month. I mean, you know, from a tropical storm to flash flooding events to these tornadoes to the smoke we had, which I know we'll talk about a, a week ago. This has been an incredible month. Um, Elsa's early. It was the earliest name, fifth name storm on record in the Atlantic Basin. And it happened to make it up this way, uh, fortunately, as a, a weak storm. Uh, it did spawn the two tornadoes in New Jersey and a few further down the coast. It brought some moderate to heavy rain to the eastern part of the state, a uh, couple inches of rain in the Atlantic City area. And the strongest wind gust, aside from what happened locally with the, the tornadoes, but in our network was a 75 mile an hour gust out at Harvey Cedars, but nothing else in our network went over the gust. They gusted into the 40, 50 mile an hour range. So just hugging the coast, they had some very strong winds, had those two tornadoes, otherwise a lot of rain, um, no flooding, either from the rain or from storm surge. So it, it was a modest event um, in terms of New Jersey tropical annals. Yeah, it was, it was besides the tornadoes, fairly well behaved. Um, I believe, too, also the storm came during low tide. So we didn't see much in the way of tidal flooding with that e either. Um, but, you know, to your point, like what an incredible month we had here in New Jersey. And we had actually a heat wave as well. We'll talk a little bit about that heat as we go forward. But, you know, just kind of off the top of your head, right? I mean, how crazy are we talking about this July was? And I'm not trying to, you know, just for fun, you know, yeah. in terms of wild weather that we've had it, here. Put this way, a, a few of the events will end up in the top 10 for the year, probably. Uh, probably this tornado outbreak will. I don't know if Elsa will. Um, the fact that we had some severe flash flooding, I think the theme of that will make it in here. Not necessarily one particular flash flood, but the right. fact that we had multiple events this month where individual locations had four inches or more rain in a, in a short period of time. So, uh, yeah, th this one's up there. Um, Heat-wise, you know, we can talk about that later. It was on the warm side. Uh, but not excessively so. Yeah, and we'll talk about that. Actually, I think probably a good time to break here. 
We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to talk about the temperatures, talk about rain, and we're going to talk about that wildfire smoke, too. This is the Something in the Air podcast. Something in the Air podcast. He's New Jersey State climatologist, Dr. Dave Robinson. I'm Joe Maratucci at the Press of Atlantic City here at my temporary Manahawkin office on my cousin's front porch because it's a long story. So I want to start off uh, this half with the wildfire smoke. Um, I mean, it was it was incredible. We had two rounds of it. One was early in the month. Next one was in the middle part of the month, and it really choked up the sky. I mean, it, you'd have a mostly sunny day, but it was gray. Um, you even had some air quality alerts out. Some of that smoke made it down to the surface. And, you know, if you remember back to last September, we had this, but I would even say since before last September, I don't remember too, too much of this. Um, but anyway, I'll just turn it over to you, Dr. Robinson, you know, this wildfire smoke coming from the central and Pacific Northwest, um, What's your take on it? Um, you know, and, and how often do we see this kind of phenomenon happen here in New Jersey? Yeah, we, we see it periodically. Um, is it getting worse? Perhaps we don't have good long-term records. And then you have to look at the quantity and the location of the smoke. Mostly here in the East Coast, we see smoke up at 30,000 foot levels and it dims the sun a little bit. Uh, uh, you don't have those dark blue skies. And many times we mistake it for just a humid day uh, down near the surface with reduced yeah. visibility. But what we had earlier in the month, but especially around the 21st, was something you, you rarely see around here when it comes to smoke from Western US, Western Canada, even a little bit north of the border uh, over the Midwest. Um, filtering in here on jet stream winds, but not just at high altitudes. As you mentioned, we had high pressure over us and that subsidence from that high pressure helped push that smoke down to the surface. Uh, and with that, visibilities were greatly reduced at the surface. And as you said, air quality, I think up in New York City hadn't been worse in like 15 years. And that's when we get into health issues, particularly for people with sensitive respiratory issues, asthma and, and uh, other afflictions. So this became not just, uh, oh, nice bright red sunrises and sunsets, but a health concern. Um, yeah. Again, fortunately, not very often, uh, here in East. Now, I can remember a case years back, a couple decades ago, with forest fires in West Virginia and driving down the Turnpike to a meeting in D.C. on a Sunday afternoon, and you couldn't see much more in a mile or two, and it stunk to high heavens from the fires down in West Virginia. But that's close compared to the fires that were raging out in California, Oregon, Washington, British Columbia, and some over in Western Quebec um uh that area north of uh minnesota yeah um and, and i know just through a little bit of reporting that i did you know at atlantic care and the pulmonary group uh they said that they saw an uptick in people going to you know get their lungs checked out problems with breathing in fact one doctor i spoke with he said you know we have patients but 
These are the patients who wouldn't be coming in normally. You know, they might have a cyst in their lung. Doesn't really hurt their breathing, but they're coming in to me, speaking, you know, the doctor said coming in to me saying that, hey, I'm having these breathing issues. So, you know, and that was around the 21st. It was really that second round that I think was the more yeah. potent one. Uh, oh, but, you know, this wildfire smoke does have issues with your health. And, you know, to your point, I mean, we're fairly lucky that most of this was 30,000 feet high. You could be in Montana or Idaho or, you know, wherever. And, and this stuff is close to the surface and really impacting, you know, the air quality there. Uh, but it's it, just a strange phenomenon, you know, for a lot of people to see the sun just ready you can look directly at the sun you know not that i ever recommend that but you could look directly at the sun um you know no problems it was almost like we were on mars it's like we colonized mars and we're looking out yeah it it was something we absolutely don't want to see very often it was actually a little worse in central and north jersey than south jersey um and absolutely. then there were some other pockets around the country um that had it as bad as worse but that particular day the airflow across the country was just such that it really kind of nailed New Jersey, if you will. Um, then it we sank a, a little bit to the south. Yeah, and I, and we can kind of connect this back to the severe weather. A lot of our upper level motion in the past month has been from the northwest going to the southeast. We've kind of been a little troughy with an area of low pressure to our north. And that's helped to drive, that helped to drive this event that we had on Thursday with the severe weather and helps to bring in some of that wildfire smoke as well. Yeah, yeah. And and unfortunately for the folks out west, the, the wildfire season generally just gets going as you get into August and September, much like the hurricane season in the east. So we're they're not they're not out of the woods, no pun intended there. They're not out of the woods yet. Uh, hopefully they've had a lot of monsoon moisture in the southwestern US. Um, but it hasn't necessarily made it all the way up into the Pacific Northwest, although some, I believe, today was destined to get up there. But with yeah. that moisture comes lightning. And you can get the lightning on some of the areas without getting the rain, and it can spawn new fires. So I read something interesting this week. The bulk of the fires out west are caused by human activities, generally innocent, stupid activities, not arson. But the biggest fires seem to be caused by lightning. I guess that's because they're in more isolated areas and they're more difficult to, to find quickly and, and fight. Um, I, I, I don't know. That, that was my uh, judge judgment call on that. So a really interesting study. More yeah. fires caused by humans, but the biggest fires caused by lightning. Hmm. I make sense to me. So Sounds like a good uh, hypothesis. Well, uh, we'll turn it now to temperatures here throughout the uh, throughout South Jersey, and we did have um, another heat wave during July. And we, and I think you said we're above average. And you know, I'm going to kind of lay this up to you here. We haven't been extremely hot though. I mean, our hottest day at Atlantic City International Airport was just the last week of July. It was only ninety, only ninety five degrees. So yeah, we're getting this persistent kind of warmth, but we're not getting the real hundred degree days. You know, we're not getting the, the brutal heat waves here. So, I mean, and again, I'm sitting out here on the porch. It's nice out. It's, it's very nice out. It's great. Yeah. I mean, that's been my credo in recent years. It, it's not the extreme nature of the heat. It's the persistence of the heat. And we've seen that summer after summer. 
Now, Atlantic City Airport did get up to 90 on 10 days in July. That's a pretty hefty number. But the marina, 87 was the highest they got up to. So we didn't have those real buster hot days, as you said. And, and right as of this morning, with two days left in the month, not, neither of which are going to be particularly excessively warm, um, six-tenths of a degree above normal for the month at Atlantic City, spot on, even normal at the marina. Now, mind you, those are averages based on the 1991 to 2020 period. And literally within a half an hour of us going onto this podcast today, I got a hold of the first statewide numbers for the month, which only go through a couple days ago. So they don't include yesterday's precipitation, nor the temperatures of the past several days. And with that, the state is going to average about seven tenths of a degree above normal based on the 91 to 2020 averages. But based on the 1895 to 2020 averages, 2.3 degrees above normal. So it's going to rank somewhere around 20th, 20th warmest July. Remember, June was the eighth warmest June. So that's it for temperature. As you said, nothing up through the roof, but just that persistent warmth. And again, as we've talked about many times in the past, the minimum temperatures were warmer than average, more so than the maximum temperatures. Just tough to cool it off on night, at night. And now that, if I may, segues into the precipitation side of the discussion because the atmosphere was very moist this month. So it yes. wasn't the heat, it's the humidity. And it was a wet month. And that helped the humidity in the air. It doesn't allow that daytime heat to escape um, out to space at night. So you have temperatures that average 1.3 above normal for minimums and 3.1 above the period of record mean, whereas the maximums only averaged a tenth of a degree above normal for the 91 to 20, 20 period and uh, 1.4 above for the period of record. So you want to talk precip or you have more to say about I, temperature? I, that, was, that was a great segue. I just wanted to bring up one more point on the, on the heat. And I just wanted to, to point out with the 90 degree days, we saw 10 during July, usually year to date, we see 11 uh, 90 degree days and we've seen 18 so far in year to date, meaning through the end of July, because it's not going to get above 90. That, that 18 number that we've seen so far year to date is as many as we average in a year. So again, persistent warmth, but not necessarily the extreme heat. So anyway, I'll turn it back over to you, uh, and let's talk about precipitation here uh, in South Jersey. You said it was on the weather side. Where, where do we stand here, especially we have a dry Friday and Saturday ahead? Wet, wet, and wetter. I mean, that's <laughs> what it's been. It's all not all else. It's all of these storms. Time after time again, we've been able to pop up afternoon thunderstorms and such. So if we look at Atlanta County based on our Kokoraz observers, the wettest spot was Summers Point with 8.27 inches. And these are obs through this morning. So they're, they're, they're about final for, final for the month. So 8.27, um, which is about twice normal. Um, and the, dry, the driest spot, Estelle Manor at 5.85. So even the driest spot in Atlanta County was well over an inch above normal. Yeah. Um, now, you go down the coast. Either. 
Yeah, yeah. I would just say not too far away. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's summer for you. Um, and, and the same thing actually in Cape May County because Woodbine up towards the north, 7.86 inches of rain. But over at the coast in Ocean City, 3.71. So, uh, 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 you know, almost twice as much rain. And well, not almost twice as much, more than twice as much rain over in Woodbine than not too far away in Ocean City. And then finally, yikes, you go up to Ocean County, the wettest spot, Brick. Now we had a couple observers there, but the wettest spot in Brick, 12.99 inches, 13 inches of rain. Now I might add that's the wettest spot in the state. We've got over in Hunterdon County, we have a, several stations over 11 inches and such. But this was the wettest spot in the state. And But Pine Beach, 6.73 inches. And put an asterisk by that because I didn't get the data yet today from Long Beach Township. They were running at 5.07 before today. Um, so depending on what they got over yesterday evening, um, they may be the driest spot. Uh, in Ocean County, but still, anyway, slice it a, a very wet month, a green month, if you will. Yeah, yeah, no drought issues. I we were we were talking a little bit about drought during the spring, but we're not anywhere near there now, right? No, and the state, I should add, it was pretty wet statewide. Our preliminary number for the state without yesterday's rain is six point two eight inches. Uh, that would rank, I think, fifteenth. Uh, wettest. So we're not going to crack because it didn't rain south of AC last night or anything. Uh, we're probably going to end up maybe 12th, 13th wettest um, July on record. That, now that's pretty impressive. That's going back 127 years. Yeah. Um, so we're not going to quite crack the top 10. Got it. So wet month, not in the top 10, but still Wet across really everywhere in South Jersey. Um, we have a little bit more time left, so I'm going to do a hard no segue here. It's a hard transition. I want to talk about this photo of you I saw. You were putting up an anemometer, excuse me. Uh, anemometer. What I say? I don't know what you said. Uh, there, well, the wind, a wind <laughs> instrument in, uh, I believe it was Liberty State Park. Is that where you were? In yep. Jersey City? So you were scoping out your cross-country skiing spots for next time, right? You were getting, you got high up there. You were up pretty high. I was up 30 feet in a bucket truck. And, and uh, great thanks to the uh, New Jersey Department of Environmental Protection Parks Department, who uh, assisted and uh, made me feel very safe up, at, up in <laughs> that bucket as we had to take down a damaged anemometer um, and pull the wires down and then go back up and mount the new one and then the run why the runners down the, the wires down the, the uh, tower. The reason why we had to do that is when we put that station in 15 years ago, we were not permitted to put up our own tower and the towers we put up, we can take them down, just walk them down. We don't have to go up them. Um, so this was one of our few stations where we weren't can't climb that tower. We needed a bucket truck. So many thanks to the folks at Liberty State Park. And, you know, it was kind of interesting because um, as I turn around, I can see uh, the Statue of Liberty 
I like to kiddingly say mooning me and my back was to the Statue of Liberty as we do that. But we're that we're that close in Liberty State Park. So it's with great pride that we have a station that's right there, almost in the shadow of the Statue of Liberty. But I want you to shout out you have a, a project that's coming soon. It might actually by the time you're listening to this, you might even be able to see it. So just. Um, about 30 seconds, if you can. Yeah. Tell us what, what you have. Just so happens, we've been working on this for quite a while. We're going to be launching a tornado page. And on that page, which you'll be able to get off of njclimate.org, there'll be a link there. You can see every recorded tornado in New Jersey since 1950 is documented there. It's placed on a map and you can click on it. You can sort by decade. You can sort by month of the year. And then along the bottom... There's a bar graph that shows you the number of tornadoes and the strength of those tornadoes by year back to 1950. So it's going to be a wonderful resource for, for just keeping track of these storms and, and for those out there who have a, a real interest in tornadic activity here in New Jersey. This is the Something in the Air podcast brought to you by the Press of Atlantic City in conjunction with Stockton University. We're going to have our next episode the third Wednesday of August. We're going to have Nick Underwood, who is a NOAA hurricane hunter. I'm really excited for this one. He's going to tell us about some crazy hurricane hunting stories. Tell us about the Jersey Shore and hurricanes. It's going to be a really uh, good episode for you here. And then we'll be back with Dr. Robinson in the beginning of September. So until then, have a great rest of the summer, everybody. Stay safe. We'll talk to you soon.